You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. We are here. <laughs> we are here ready to talk two hours of football. I'm laughing because um, Pete's been here for a very long time doing the dad thing, done all his research at last minute as he normally does. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would get done. <laughs> We're all good to go. We'll be here until 12 o'clock. A great lineup for you to listen to today, including Robbie Thompson, who is fast becoming the match commentator behind everything women's football in yep. Australia. I, I really like that and he's happy to give us time and chat football. But it's not just about women's football with Robbie, of course, it's A-League and internationals and so forth and so forth. So it's great. We'll have a, a nice long chat to him. We'll chat to Ben Smith from WA News about uh, Perth Glory, what's happening in that space. Oh, yeah. And there is a bit happening in that space. There is. Yes, uh, hopefully he can... Tell us more than the uh, rumours and uh, illusions that have been happening through the week. Um, Neil Bennett, women's football writer and Northern Redbacks media man. We'll have a chat to Hayley Roach, Lost Lioness, about the UEFA competitions coming up. Mm-hmm. And Greg Werner, who is a national historian, and you might have seen him on some of the uh, Lost Football sites. Um, he also co-wrote the Matilda's Encyclopedia with mm. Andrew Howe. There's another one coming out. I think the end of this month, the mm. uh, revision, adding some bits and pieces in. And uh, if you haven't seen that book, it is an encyclopedia and it's big and heavy and you'd, uh, you'd kill someone with it if you threw it at them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's interesting because I went to a local library just recently and local libraries aren't what they used to be, Pete. There's not the whole sh- the shelves and shelves of the World Book Encyclopedia. They're more online and computers oh, and things but, like that. So, encycl- Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Well, you know, encyclopedias would have been the first set of books to go because they're just... 
take up so much take up so time. much space and they're out of date so quickly. That, that's it. The advent Wikipedia of the is you know the way to go. No, seriously, yeah. you said that with a serious face. Of course it is. No schools are not allowed to. Um, if I want to look something up, I'll look up Wikipedia. I'm not at school. Are you one of those guys that uh, log in and add information? I have done at times, but hmm. it's not a regular thing. Yeah. I wonder if many people know that when they look at Wikipedia, they go right down to the bottom and you can, yeah, see, you you can, can see the history. Isn't it? Edit. Yeah, it's really cool that you can do that. Hmm. Hmm. I always donate to Wikipedia. Yeah, it's my little thing. Oh, donate like by editing or donate by giving them money? Giving them money to yep. keep going, absolutely. Yep, I suppose I should get on and do a few women's football kind of well, edits in there. Yeah, if you spot an obvious mistake, you can correct mm. it. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, Pete and Penn in the driving seats for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who uh, donates by way of membership to Radio Fremantle. That keeps us going. Memberships are under 50 bucks, so it doesn't cost much to jump in and just uh, help us out. And to Gate and Fence Hardware, Futsal WA and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Thank you very much. You can listen to our podcast if you miss any part of the show today on the worldfootballprogram.com.au. Thank you very much to Nick Templeman, Miranda's dad. One day I'm going to stop saying that. I'm just going to say Nick Templeman in his own right is an amazing person and did our <laughs> website. <laughs> Good on you, Nick. Um, and speaking of Miranda, she has signed a contract as well, so she's... Yeah. Off to South Melbourne for the winter season. She is at South Melbourne, which is where Zara Board is. Yep. So that's very interesting how that's going to work out. Two awesome goalkeepers in the same space. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll hear more about that, but it's good to see Miranda staying over there where she feels that's where football journey is. And Zara's moved over there from, I think Subiaco was the last club, yep. or was it Northern yep. Redbacks? I guess if it's whoever gets the training first, Zara would win with the um, the drags to racing. She'd be getting there quicker. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, we have lots to talk about today, um, but I did want to say that this weekend is an amazing weekend of football. Not only is there lots happening in the grassroots space, mm-hmm. um, cup rounds and so forth, mm-hmm. there's... Why are you looking at me like I'm that? I'm waiting to see where you're going with this. Okay. <laughs> there is the um, Men's FA Cup which is happening, and that's tonight between Manchester United and Manchester City. Yep. The UEFA Women's Champions League is happening. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure what time these are, WA times. Maybe maybe Pete can know, or one of our guests Let's can know. But see what I can say. So. Wolfsburg and Barcelona are playing in the women's. Yep. And then the A-League Men's Grand Final, Melbourne that's, City and Central Coast. That's the one I was looking funny about. What? Do you think I was going to forget this or something? To be honest, I had. Oh, I realised the, the grand final was on today and went, oh, is the A-League still going? <laughs> um, which I think speaks to how much how, publicity and so forth it, it has I not you, managed I, to well, maintain. Actually, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say there's so much other football being crammed into the space that it was just one of those things that just... Well, it, I mean, they had a buy, uh, sorry, like a week off, a weekend off after the semifinals um, where... There was supposed to be Bayern Munich coming over, but obviously that fell flat. Yeah. And and so the <clears throat> festival of football, I think, turned into like a couple of DJs and a couple of hot dog stands and and that's that's all we've had. And um, and we'll speak to Robbie about how the grand final um, in New South Wales is really mm. working. We'll do that. In fact, we'll go to a break and we'll yep. come back and we'll chat more football because there's just so much more to chat about. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme.
Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website, where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008, respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Pen and Pete in the studio for almost another two hours of football. And Robbie Thompson on the line. Good afternoon, Robbie. Good morning, Pen and Pete. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> We're doing really well. We're just uh, trying to work out the conversion times for all the amazing games that are happening over the weekend with the Men's FA Cup final. And look, we can say Men's FA Cup final yep. now yep. because there's a Women's FA Cup final. We can delineate this, and it's really great to have to you know, bring those things into the space. And I was listening to a podcast this morning, and they were talking about men's, uh, men's football, but they were just talking about football. And I was thinking, yeah, I know my football, so I know what they're talking about, but there's just so much women's football in the conversation. Now, it's really good, Robbie. It's, it's fantastic. It excites it me a lot. <laughs> I'm 100% with you on that one. And it's about time as well that we start saying, if we're going to say Women's World Cup, then we've got to say FIFA Men's World Cup. Yep. Yeah. Yep. True. Nice. I like it. And, of course, the UEFA Champions League is happening uh, between Wolfsburg and, Wolfsburg and Barcelona, the respective German and Spanish champions. That'll be a cracker of a game. No Australians in it. No, and I don't know how I'm going to watch that one. I'm trying to work it out. There's just so much good football. And, of course, the A-League Grand Final, which is what we're going to chat about uh, and I'm not sure what time exactly WA time that's happening but uh, it'll be uh, that's going to be 5.45 5.45 yep. good on you afternoon yeah, yeah 7.45 Eastern whew going to be a late night for a few people and probably a little bit of celebrating afterwards and maybe some dreary eyes tomorrow for the soccer games over this way mm, you'll get that so Robbie the big question is the A-League Grand Finals are now designated to New South Wales, has all the prelim excitement done justice to it? Ah, loaded question. <laughs> nice way to start. Thank you. Welcome no to the problems. show. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what I can say is that I am at a local football pitch right now um, waiting for the rest of my teammates to show up for a fairly relaxed afternoon. And the weather in Sydney is superb. So on that front, um, there'll be no problem for, for tonight's game. It is a beautiful early early winter day. Other than that, um, I was at the awards night two nights ago. I didn't go to the party last night. I had dinner at my mum's um, for her birthday and with my with my family, which was nice as well. Um, look, I, I the, there's not an amazing vibe. I think tonight's going to be fantastic. 
Um, but you know, Sydney's a, a huge city. I didn't know. I don't know when the rugby league grand finals are on or that sort of thing either. I mean, if you if you want to avoid it, it's easy to avoid. With the same story with with football, we know that we're starting from a from a lower place behind the eight ball, if you like, and we've got to make our way up through through the field. Um, yeah, look, I don't I don't know if it's the right call. There's there are lots more people that have been debating this. Uh, Rather than me, I just hope that tonight, for the for the two sets of players, for the the supporters from Melbourne City that that do make the trip, for the Mariners fans, that they have a great night. The weather's going to be there. It's a good sized stadium for it. They're the two best teams in the competition. So let's hope from from that respect, at least, we're going to have at least a good night of football to watch. Yep, we we are, and um, they've got two different styles of football, which I always like in a final right to, that you. You don't just have an entertaining game of football. You have an entertaining game of football because it's bringing different I've things from the I lost you there for a second. Are yep. you there? Yep, I can hear you, Robbie. Are you back with us? You're back. Hello. Robbie. I've lost you, but if, I, if I'll if i just go on and hope that you come back and you can cut me off whenever, um, I think that it's going to be a very open match of football between these two sides. Yep. Um, Are you still there, Robbie? Have you got me there? Robbie, we can, we can, can hear you, Robbie. What I like about these two sides is that they're both going to press high up the pitch. They're both going to go for it. We've got two attacking managers with two very attacking teams. And uh, I, I don't think we're going to see what we saw in, for example, in the Europa League final between Roma and Sofia, two sides that are just prepared to pay for penalties. Mm. These two sides um, are the two best sides in the competition, and they want to prove it. Yep. Yeah, and that's what you want out of a grand final, right? You, you want that um, different playing style, that's all part of the entertainment that we come to watch. It's like an FA Cup final where you have different teams from different places coming together, romance of it all, and whatever else. Excitement with your mates and all that kind of thing. That's what football's about. Are you still there with us, Robbie? Do you not? I think we've lost Robbie. I think we've lost oh, him. Oh, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Pete, you just keep talking. I'll, I'll keep talking. Okay. Well, so going into this uh, grand final match for those uh, folks, <coughs> last time they played was uh, two months ago and it finished one all. Uh, Central Coast haven't beaten Melbourne City in the last six matches between the two, which doesn't bode well for Central Coast. Uh, Melbourne City are currently undefeated in their last 10 matches. Uh, and Central Coast are currently on a four-match winning streak and undefeated in their last seven. So one of those two undefeated streaks is going to come to an end very shortly. Um, While we're still just trying to get on, apparently the last time Central Coast Mariners won while playing away to Melbourne City was over nine, nine years ago in 2014, although you can make the argument that they're not actually playing away this time. And I think I saw some... Some comments on Facebook that the Melbourne City fans have been given the away bay as well, despite all the assurances about, you know, it's still a home game for Melbourne City being played in Sydney. So make of that what you want as well. Are you back with us, Robbie? I am. And there I did catch the, the tail end of that. Um, yeah, I agree. But but in terms of the, the away bay and that sort of thing, I mean, I saw a, a video this morning of 100 fans for, for Melbourne City who are going to jump on a, a chartered flight up to Sydney for the game. So mm. it is great. There are going to be some Melbourne City fans. But it's also a fair call considering we had 20,000 an hour up the road. Um, uh, well, fair call. Insofar as we're going to have a lot more Mariners fans than Melbourne City fans, that this is the side of the argument of who's at home exactly. and, and who's exactly. away. Because yeah. for sure it is going to be like a Central Coast Mariners home game. 
yeah, in that respect, for, for I think it's uh, unfair on Melbourne City, considering they were the best team and, and deserved to host the grand final because they made it there as top, and that's always been the history of the competition. But yeah. in terms of in terms of the politics of saying, look, we're, I mean, we can't we can't have the whole away end reserved for Melbourne City if we're gonna only going to have you know eight hundred travelling fans mm-hmm. when we're going to have twenty thousand possibly Central Coast Mariners fans who are who are who are going to make the trip and that's the reality of the situation and if we compare the crowd to last year's grand final and again I'm not judging on whether the decision is right or or what we are going to have a big crowd at the grand final the atmosphere is going to be great and I think that's what the players and the coaches and everyone around the, that are going to be on the football pitch and the referee Chris Beath it's his last hurrah as well they want to play in, a, in front of a big crowd in a big environment whether that should be in in Sydney or in Melbourne or, or on the Central Coast, it's going to be a great, a great atmosphere and, and hopefully a showpiece for the game. Yep. And that's what we want. We want a full stadium. We want media coverage. We want free-to-air coverage too, by the way. We want all those things that are going to add back into the creating a good football uh, landscape and, and spread the word and exposure. We want all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. like I said, un- Absolutely. Un- unfortunately, I'd forgotten that it was on, which probably... You know, being a football diehard, the fact that I literally blanked about it this week um, probably doesn't bode well for the the people that are casual fans. Um, well, my, my big thing is there's so much happening, right? There's yeah. the men's FA Cup final, yep. and there's the UEFA Women's Champions League, which I've been kind of looking forward to. So th- there is a lot happening in this space, Robbie. So you know, right over this side of the country, I wonder how many people are coming from or going from Perth over to the A League final. I'd be curious to know if anyone like was a diehard yeah, well, this, fan. Well, this this is part of the the process, isn't it? I guess you know this three year deal, mm-hmm. maybe in in. In the next couple of years, we, we will see a few more travelling supporters. I mean, there's no doubt at all that the, the week's festival of football has fallen a little bit flat. One of the key yeah. ingredients to that was the All-Stars game, which was such an unexpected success and feel-good story last year when, when Barcelona came out for that, for that game against the All-Stars. It's, it's a shame that that didn't happen this year because that being played last night, for example, would have generated a big crowd. We would have had, you know, probably... To be fair, if, if we'd had a, a, I don't know, a Chelsea or a, a Bayern Munich and AC Milan or one of these sides mm. come out here for that game, we probably would have had more people travel from Perth, yeah. you know, Agreed. some diehard fans to come and, to come and see uh, a big European team come and play against the All-Stars. But maybe, and this is the whole idea of it, maybe they would have stayed on. Yep. Maybe yep. they would have stayed on an extra 24 hours and made the weekend out of it. So look, the there are lots of problems with this. Let's call them teething problems for the first time that this festival of football's been run because it hasn't been all, all smooth sailing. I think the fact that there was a week off between the semi-finals and the yeah, grand final that, was not necessarily a good, a, a good thing as well because everyone sort of said, oh, you know, the Mariners' semi-final was fantastic. It would have been great to roll on yes. off the back of that straight into the grand final a week later. I think probably the two teams would have liked that as well and not have to have a a week off and sit twiddling their thumbs with, you know, while their adrenaline comes down and then have to lift back up again for, for a grand final. So I don't think we'll see that again, probably. I think we'll go straight from semi-finals in. Hopefully we'll have an all-star game. And, you know, I mean, we, we can't just all be doom and gloom and say, look, this is a disaster, this is bad, this is bad, because we were doing that a bit last year as well around the game. And 
And I think poor old Western United, who, who had a fantastic season, and John Aloisi was a side that no one thought would do anything, mm. won the championship, and it was fantastic for them. And, yeah. and everyone sort of said, you know, well, what a shame. But, and, it's, but it's not. They deserve to win it. Oh, no, that, that was a fantastic final um, uh, last year. Let's not forget, too, we've had Ted Lasso in the intermission. <laughs> so that's kept us going as well. <laughs> 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 I, I've never seen an episode of it. I've seen that. I saw the original ads, and, I, and obviously everyone talks about. It. I know what he looks like, Ted Lasso, but I haven't seen it. Is it really that good? Yes. It's the last season. Was okay. Good. Good. You gotta catch up on it. You do a binge watching all three seasons. Yeah, not uh, not to sort of geek out too much about it, but it's also a show about a lot more than football. Mm-hmm. Which you know, at the yeah. very start, you think, okay, American doesn't get football. That's the joke. Um, but there's also it's it's very well written and there's a lot of foreshadowing. Like you almost need to watch it a second time and pick up all the right. little hints you missed the first time as yeah. to what was going on. Yeah, um, very good. Well, I've got a long haul flight coming. Maybe I'll try and knock off a couple of couple of series. Absolutely worth it. <laughs> That's it. Now we do need to mention the A League awards that happened um, earlier in the week, um, yep. and we did get a few. Perth Glory mentions, but I think we'll probably talk more about them with Ben Smith, who we've got up next. A few so, Perth Glory mentions. Yeah. I've, I've got one. One? Giordano Colley got the men's goal of the year. Did I Have I missed any True, others? True, but Hannah Lowry was rated uh, third in the Player of the Year awards. Oh, okay. So I'm going to yep. mention that. All right, that no, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, yeah. And Giordano Colley's goal, I'll just say, I, I was lucky enough to call that, and that was an absolute cracking goal as yeah. well. So I'm pleased that, you know, we need more of those beautiful technical moments, because it was a beautiful shot that, that gave the keeper no chance and uh, and well played, Gio Colley. Shame we didn't see more of him probably during the season. I thought it was very much like um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. He hits a ball and he can make it go up and down. Mm. The way he hits yeah, it, he hits exactly. a particular part of the ball that, that he practices that doesn't just make it glide. It goes up and then it comes down and it came straight over the damn goalkeeper under the bar. I thought, man, Cristiano Ronaldo would have been proud of that one. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. We saw Nestria and Kunda hit one like that as well. This season, those knuckle balls. Yeah, they are an amazing technique. Yeah, fantastic. That, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, only school players can get that, or a lot of practice, I think. <laughs> mm. and or so, a miss hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how the skilled players, their miss hits, still look brilliant. You know, yeah. if you want yeah, to see one of my miss hits, who are we? <laughs> and their reactions afterwards, they've yeah. learned to go. Yep, I deliberately meant to do that. That's Literally. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, some of the other awards that happened uh, in the uh, A League Awards night, which is the. Um, Johnny Warren and the Julie Dolan. Uh, that's a yep, big yep. title for the awards night. Um, goal of the year, we know. And also Madison Haley in the women's side of things too. So we've got Giordano Colley and Madison Haley respectively getting the goals of the year there. Um, the Golden Boot, Hannah Keane from Western United. Western United had a pretty good season actually, Robbie. Um, uh, it wasn't too bad, mm, was it? For mm. a first ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, I like to say the underpinning club is Calder United, which is a, a female yeah. only club. And we've had our top goal scorer from Northern Redbacks here in the local league, Larissa Walsh, Larry. And she's now over at Western United, well, Calder United. So I'm thinking that you know her next step up is going to be through Western United because the coach of Calder is now with Western United. And you know, there's all these little links in there. And I think it's a great exactly. move. Yeah. Mm. It has been, and it's been probably one of the one of the keys to their success this year was the fact that they were already operating, you know, players, coaching staff. Um, I think eleven of the, the the playing squad were all from Calder United. They obviously added some extras like the the American top scorer Hannah Keane, Hilary yeah. Beale, the goalkeeper who won goalkeeper of the year and save of the year as well. Mark Torcaso, who was the coach at Calder, um, 
and Western United won Coach of the Year. I mean, that's a fair sweep of the pool as well. They just missed out on the grand final, of course, but Sydney Sydney pipped them too, but few would have denied them that either. No, it was a great a great A League women's season, or you know, Liberty A League season, as mm. it, as it's known now. And uh, bring it on that that next season, you know, we're going to have a couple more clubs in a couple of years as well. We'll soon have full home and away, and and the only way is up. The Mariners are joining next year as well, I yep. believe, still. So that's good. And then we're hopefully going to have an Auckland side and 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 keep building bigger and better. Absolutely, and we should not be remiss in saying that the player of the year. Play players of the year, Alex Chidiak, Chids. Yes. Um, only played thirteen of the twenty no. games because okay. she came from the American WSL. Uh, is that called a school? Yeah. Robbie WSL Women's Soccer League. Yep. Yeah. The the yep. Yep. Um, the so NWSL. Yeah, NWSL. That's the one. Um, all these abbreviations that I have to remember. And uh, Craig Goodwin uh, for Adelaide, and he's had one of the oh, most he's... consistent seasons I've ever seen that yep. lad play. And I remember. Um, uh, Nat Adamopoulos, who used to do a radio show in uh, South Australia, and uh, she said, one day this young lad, he's going to be the thing. And mm. he's still with the club, and he's very consistent now. He, he's one of the things that makes Adelaide tick over nicely. And, and as a Perth Glory fan, even I can't hate him. I want to, but I can't, you know. <laughs> well, look, as a Perth Glory fan, we support the Socceroos. Yeah, exactly. And what, exactly. He, did, what he did reasons, in Qatar, yeah. you know, he, there, there's no... I think there, if there were any sort of club rivalries... When they pull on the green and gold, and they do, and perform the way he did, and and there, you know, a lot of talk that he's been had a very serious um, uh, injury, pubis uh, injury throughout the season that he's been carrying as well, and that mm. that can be very very painful. So I mean, he's he's fought through that. He's got a young family. He dedicated the award to his wife as well, and if he's playing such good football, it was thanks to thanks in large part to his wife who was there um, at the awards night as well. I, I have 15 goals and 10 assists is a fantastic return. He's a winger, let's not forget. Mm, he's not yeah. the central striker. He's not not the playmaker. He's a winger who also fills in at left back when when needed and and is the leader of that side on and off the pitch. And, and like I say, what he did for the Socceroos. Oh, yeah, you know, it's the best season of his career. Best season of his career. Um, and more power to him. More power to these types of players as well that are great role models for young kids coming through the game and watching and seeing we can go to the World Cup and play here in Australia with an A-League team and be a be a great guy and a good bloke. Mm. And uh, the Golden Boot, uh, I think we all know Jamie McLaren with 23 goals, uh, Melbourne City. I often write in my notes uh, MC as abbreviation for Melbourne City and yep. I immediately link link it to Manchester City and I often get it wrong and say Manchester City. <laughs> um, and well, there are, there are more links than that as well between the two. There are, there are absolutely, uh, and the goalkeepers. You mentioned Hilary Beale and Lawrence Thomas from um, Melbourne yeah. City. Yep. Uh, and Robbie, what from about you? Sorry, Lawrence Thomas. Sorry, yes, yep. when Sydney Wanderers. Um, your highlights of the season, Robbie. What are they? Oh, um, wow, good call. Uh, I just love every game honestly and I don't want to sound like I'm not I will try and choose the goals are obviously fantastic the big saves as well at the awards night we're watching you know all the 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 nominees for for, and it's nice hearing when you hear your commentary around a great goal like Mm. Gio Colley's goal you think well that was something pretty special I was glad I witnessed that Nestoria and Kunda I got a one of a fantastic goal by him um save of the season by by Redmayne Andrew Redmayne at Sydney FC um Great moments, great moments. But I think, the, look, I, I shouldn't say this, but just four, seven hours before the grand final, 
But seeing the semi-final against Adelaide in Gosford, the Central Coast Mariners, um, playing at home in front of a sellout crowd, you know, I mean, that's the, the biggest crowd you can have in Gosford, 20,059, um, the most ever for a football match there. Um, to see that around the club and the season they've had, you know, and the fact that we're still rebuilding out of COVID and last yeah. year was such a disappointment. It it really and I and I don't want to get carried away and jump on the bandwagon. I know there's a lot of bad blood at the moment around the game and decisions that have been made. But if we if we keep growing, if if this season compared to last season is anything to go by, then next season's going to be better again. And you know, we've got to hope that slowly and slowly but surely we're on our way. Last. Two weeks ago, the semi-final between the Mariners was really a special night. It was a fantastic night to be a part of and to to just see how far we can come. And that's in two seasons, from hitting rock bottom mm. to being at that point, a high watermark like that for the Mariners. I, I think there's plenty of reasons to think that next year is just going to be better again. I agree. The highlights of my season have been watching the quality of football in the final series. Oh, yeah. I've been really excited. Yeah, it's to, been very good. To, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, watched the highlights packages and gone back and watched the parts of the games again and thought, it's pretty damn good football. It's good inspiration for the young kids. Good role models out there. I like it a lot. What's your tip for the game, <laughs> Robbie? Oh, heart and head. Heart v. Head. I think Head says Melbourne City, just because I think, you know, it's hard to go. We talk about Craig Goodwin being a leader for Adelaide and a great soccerer. What about Matt Leckie? Mm. Matt Leckie, who has scored that goal against Denmark for the Socceroos, has been is is played ten years in Germany, and now we're seeing why. Since he's come back, he's just been immense. They've got they've got so many quality players. They've got internationals all over the park, um, but the Mariners are on fire, and the Mariners are doing it ten years on from their last grand final since they won it. Um, a lot of people that have been at the club and that were there 10 years ago are still at the club, like Sean Mielenkamp, the general manager. Matt Simon is back as sporting director. And they're, they're, they're flying, and there's a real feeling around there that this is their year. So, look, I'm going to... Have I sat on the fence beautifully <laughs> enough for you there? Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you say heart v head. Yeah, that's good. We'll leave it at that if you like. I won't force you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Robbie, really enjoy having you on and uh, having a banter with us. Thanks so much. And I really enjoy listening to your commentary and, and banter out in the media waves there. So you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you, Ben. That's very kind of you. I will. <laughs> and and I enjoy being on the show with you guys. And whenever you want, I'm here. Good lad, Fantastic. and enjoy your football with whatever it is you're about to get up to. I will do. Well, the key is to not get injured, and that's what I—that's how I go into a 90 minutes. I'm a bit like Scott Jamison tonight. This could be my last game. <laughs> Every game could be my last game, so I want to—I I try and enjoy it. Fingers <laughs> crossed for you, Robbie. Have fun. Good stuff. Cheers, Teddy. Thanks, mate. See you, Pete. Wait. That was Robbie Thompson, Network 10 match commentator and Paramount Plus, getting out there and. Doing everything football. And, yeah, he, he touched on as well, um, coming back from COVID, uh, this is the first season in three that's unaffected by COVID and the crowds are slowly bouncing back. Um, so the last the last completely un-COVID-affected season, we had 10,000 was the average. This season we're at 7,000, so we're up on the last two. Um, but obviously there's a couple little asterisks beside that. Glory being one, only having most of their games, you know, maximum 4,000 crowds. So hopefully next season we can see that number creep up again and get back to where we were. Yes, definitely. We are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course. This is Pete and Penn on the World Football Programme. Stay tuned. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. 
Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all and Fence Hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting... Waving a flag. Always there, always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when glory score is just... The most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Suddenly everyone just jumps up and down. Welcome back to the World Football Program. That was one of the 2014 Perth Glory fans promos. I really liked that one. Wow. Mm. Nine years ago. Mm. <sighs> yeah. I'm like that. Yeah. Like to oh, I, stuff. I like that one too, yeah. <laughs> good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? We're awesome. Thanks for joining us. What's uh, happening in the football space in the WA News and Perth now this week? Uh, well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Mm. Um, you know, the main thing, obviously, uh, yesterday, uh, the stats that uh, Ruben Dakovic uh, resigned from his position as Perth Glory men's coach, which uh, I I don't think anyone uh, really saw coming. It took everyone by a bit of shock, I think. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly not an email I was expecting to land on my, in my inbox yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's following on from where Tony Sage is at? Um, I mean, there's a little bit of speculation around at the moment that uh, he's trying to sell the club, he wants to sell the club, he doesn't want to sell the club, he's, you know, whatever it is, I don't know what's happening. What's happening there, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> well... I think Tony Sage is, you know, he's nearing a sale of the club. Uh, I know for a fact that last Friday, the APL, uh, the Australian Professional League, the governing body for the A-League, were in Perth to meet with interested uh, interested bidders uh, for the Glory uh, you know, for the Glory franchise. And I know that Tony Sage is overseas uh, at the moment. I believe he's got uh, at least one meeting lined up with a potential uh, uh, buyer for the club. So, you know, I have seen a bit of, you know, rhetoric on social media in the past, you know, over the past week saying, oh, Sage always says he's going to 
Selva Club is so different to any other time. But I, this, I mean, I don't think he's had advanced talks in the same way that him and the APL have had uh, discussions with potential buyers over the past week or so. So this is, you know, you know, Sage himself of the Glory Awards night last uh, or a couple of weeks ago said, uh, you know, he didn't expect to be chairman for very longer, which is, a, you know, a sign that he's, you know, look, you know, ramping up the, uh, you know, the sale of the club. And, mm. you know, leading into Ruben Zakovic, that was a, you know, if you would think that, you know, maybe if there was, a, you know, as we tend to see when a new owner comes in, sometimes they want to change the manager. Um, now, obviously, Tony Sage is still the chairman at this point in time. Uh, maybe there was a bit of, you know, there's been a back, bit of background murmurings and Ruben didn't feel that he was going to have the backing of, uh, you know, any potential new owner. Although, you know, as you know, as at this stage, Tony Sage still owns the club. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ruben's uh, resignation uh, statement said that he resigned to pursue other opportunities. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what these other opportunities are. I don't, you know, this is, I was pretty shocked to hear he was resigning considering he'd spent most of the past year talking about how he was taking over a, a long-term rebuild of the club. Uh, so it was quite jarring to see uh, that he suddenly decided that, you know, there was a, that he had uh, other opportunities which he was interested in pursuing. Uh, reading between the lines, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, uh, you know, he kind of got an idea that maybe he wouldn't be preferred head coach uh, for any of the owners but again you know I'm not reporting anything now I'm just saying you know this is, that's just maybe my opinion uh, you know he, as he said and uh, as Perth Glory CEO Anthony Radich said in the statement released yesterday uh, they both echoed the uh, you know he was leaving to pursue other opportunities line so take from that what you will. Ben you said that the FA came to town so to speak and <coughs> were talking to potential buyers of the club and that Tony Sage wasn't in town at that time. So that got me to thinking that um, is Tony on board with this? Is he pa- taking part in I mean, this? Or? Might, might be via Skype or something. Yeah, I think um, I know he was in town last week when the, uh, the owners were actually, when, uh, when the APL came to town as well. Uh, I don't I think they had those you know, the way I understand it is the APL uh, has a you know a fit and proper kind of test. They need to stuff out any potential buyer <laughs> to the owner. Um, you know, I don't. I'm not sure whether that was what they were meeting about, but I do know that is a part of the sales process, uh, as I understand it. Um, yeah. Um, Sage, I think is you know there's been a bit of talk that Sage has been kind of kept out of the loop. Of uh, I've seen some you know, kind of innuendo and suggestions on social media, but the APL is kind of pushing for this sale, and Sage has kind of been cut out of the sale. But you know, Sage was aware that the APL were in town on uh, on Friday uh, to you know to chat to potential owners, and you know, when I spoke to him, he seemed to be fairly in the loop with, with what was going on. So um, yeah, I think yeah, he's currently in uh, I believe England at the moment, and he did tell me when I spoke to him last week uh, that, you know, he was going to be meeting with another potential buyer, you know, European, you know, England-based. Uh, so I, I do think that Sage has an idea of what's going on. Yeah. 
I, I would imagine the APL, as you say, they have to do their due diligence on potential buyers. The you know last thing we'd want to see would be Perth Glory bought out by a fake cryptocurrency business or something like that. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a very outlandish thought. Uh, oh, I can't imagine that would yeah, ever No happen. way that would ever happen, no. <laughs> Maybe it would be like Richmond AFC in the Ted Lasso series and 49% will go to the fans. <laughs> that would be nice. And we'll get we a letter mention, in our We've got to mention Ted Lasso too. every 15 minutes, aren't we? <laughs> Maybe not. Are you familiar with Ted Lasso, Ben? Have you been watching the series? Uh, I've, I've watched the first two seasons. I haven't watched the new season yet. I'm gonna. I'm, it's on my... Uh, on my to-do list, so I'll definitely get around to uh, getting into it at some point, uh, to getting into that final season at some yep. point, but I do enjoy it, yeah. Good, good lad. So just for our listeners, can you explain, so Tony Sage has got the licence to um, for Perth Glory, um, and he's yep. the owner, so he put in uh, all the moolah, yep. so yep. to speak, um, but is his licence period coming to an end? Is that why this is happening? Like. Or is he just wanting not to be the owner anymore so that the APL is now looking for another owner? As I understand it, he doesn't want... Well, he would like to retain some ownership of the club, but and he has said that for years, that he has wanted to find a partner to help kind of alleviate the financial burden on himself. Yeah. Um, but it looks like... Uh, you know, if, I think, for, you know, if you're a prospective bidder, uh, you might, you'd want to take on the entire control of a club rather than a, you know, a majority stake, a majority stake with Tony Sage kind of retaining a minimal kind of piece of the club. It, look, mm. it seems like it's tracking towards a full takeover rather than Sage uh, selling up a, um, you know, a, just, just a bit of a club, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I mean, Sage has been on the record about his passion for the club, but he's also been on the record about how much money uh, he's lost over the years, and you know I think it, his wallet is just starting to uh, <laughs> yes. tighten and tighten a bit. And he's lost the club has lost a lot of money through COVID, and then um, you know they lost a lot of money through the HBS Park uh, renovations, which yep. meant they had to move to Macedonia Park, and they weren't able to offer the same you know um, you know marketing and corporate uh, amenities that they would uh, normally at HBS Park. So they've lost a lot of money over the last two three years, and I think that why Saves has finally decided to pull the plug. But this is, you know, I've, you know, there has been a bit of talk, but oh, we've seen the story before. But this is, you know, as I understand, this is as close as Saves has come to selling the club and walking away. And and I think it's probably worth just throwing in there as well. Um, although, you know, obviously everyone on social media is able to run a football club and know exactly what's going wrong and how they would do it better. Um <laughs> But whatever you say, there's I don't think there's ever been any doubt as to Tony Sage's passion for the club and love for the club. Um, you know, whether things have been done right or le- rightly or wrongly off the field, um, he's, you know, bleeds purple as far as I, yeah. as a fan, believe. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, fans are more than welcome to their, you know, to their opinion because yep. it's their club as much as it is his club. And, um, you know, I, I've been a pretty, I've been, you know, I've, criticised him in the past. I've criticised the running of the club in the past, but I will never criticise his passion. So I know yeah. that he does yeah. truly, you know, care about the club. And, you know, I think, even, I think, you know, I think people who kind of understand, you know, how it goes, he's not, you know, he's not doing, he's not running this club. He's not trying to run the club, you know, into the ground. I'm not saying he has mm. run the club into the ground, 
there is a lot of passion for the club from Tony Sage, which is why he was, you know, he's expressed an interest in previous years of staying on as a, you know, as a minority owner. He's, yeah. You know, so that he still has, you know, some input into the club because it's something very close to his heart. Um, ben, we've got the upcoming Perth Glory versus West Ham match on July 15. That's at the Optus Stadium. It's a pretty damn big stadium and uh, West Ham will have a pretty damn good following. But how do you think Perth Glory is going to pan out into that space? I mean, we've just lost a coach. We're going to have to find one pretty damn quick. And um, I mean, there'll be players that will... Young players, I'm assuming, will be getting re-signed in a flurry right now. And we've, yeah, we've had one re-signing that we know of and one loss that we know of. Yep, um, and you know, Perth Glory is a pretty big machine. It's got uh, you know lots of tears to it here locally, so we can field a tam- team at the Optus Stadium, but we want to field a damn good team, don't we, to compete against West Ham? How do you think that's going to pan out? Yeah, well, it does give the, uh, the club quite a short timeline. I think we are, you know, about six weeks away, so yep. you need to bring in a new manager fairly soon. Uh, you know, within the next month, ideally. Uh, you know, you don't want to be leaving at last minute, um, especially because you know the, the club's going to be on show against West Ham, so yep. to speak. It's going to be, uh, you know, I'm expecting a big crowd. I don't have an update on you know amount of tickets sold, but. Uh, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's a big event for the club, the fact that they're playing an English Premier League team. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird time because they're, chased, they're expecting a new owner and they're now they're expecting a new coach as well. And um, that coach is going to have to come in and start making signings as well. Now, the bulk of the squad from last year uh, are still under contract. Um, out of the senior players, it's only Jack Quisby and Anthony Burke Gilroy um, who have and David Williams, who are the big names, who um, who, are, who are off contract uh, within the next month. So the bulk of the squad will be, you know, in place for next season, which means that any new manager probably won't have too much room to make, uh, you know, to make new signings. But they'll, they'll still want to tinker with the, you know, the makeup of the squad and the tactics. So. Yeah, with a you know a month to go before a friendly, and you know it is just a friendly. Like I'm sure any mm-hmm. coach coming in will take a long long term uh, approach to it with the season starting in October. So you know, in the context of you know their schedule and their their preseason preparations, it's kind of a weird time for a friendly. But uh, yeah, it's still, I'm sure that the club would love to have a new manager. You know, his, uh, have their first game against West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, well, I don't know, like you say, what the ticket sales are. I'd be curious to see what the ticket sales for the EPL clashes at the Optus Stadium are compared to the Perth Glory versus West Ham yeah. clash. I mean, I'm excited to go because it's a big event. You know, it's all about the football culture and the excitement atmosphere uh, to me. And always when, like, Chelsea have come and Manu and whatever have come and played at the Optus Stadium, it's just been, well, I just want to go and watch the football, but... I want to watch Perth Glory play as well. I want yeah, to see them yeah. on the world stage playing against these amazing teams in that amazing atmosphere. That's what you know, being a fan is all about to me, getting my bum on the seat and being there. Are you going to be there, Ben? Uh, yes, I will be. I'm, you know, and in, my, uh, in my role as a uh, reporter for uh, Southern West Media and West Australia, I'll definitely be covering that game and, uh, and the West Ham Tottenham game, which, um, hey, we've uh, the root, way of root for Rootman. Yeah going over in England at the moment. Looks like they, Tottenham may 
have an Australian manager by the time they come down under for the tour with the, uh, you know, the rumours that Ange Postecoglou will uh, you know, meet with Tottenham to consider taking over a head coach vacancy. So that um, I thought you were going to say Ruben Zedkovic for a second then. <laughs> I did see a lot of jokes on social media about how, how Ruben was actually off to... I mean, he said he was pursuing opportunities elsewhere. So yeah. maybe Tottenham's elsewhere. It was just a bit too hard to uh, <laughs> turn down. Yeah, interesting. Now, before we let you go, a question for you. Women's World Cup coverage in your media space. I'm, I'm hoping that there's going to be an absolute flurry in the next... What is it? 50 or so days to the Women's World Cup landing. What can you tell us, Ben? Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of started it this week in West Australian. Um, you know, we had interviews with... I had interviews with Heather Garriott, Matilda's legend, um, Grace Gill, who's uh, one of the best pundits uh, of the A-League Women's League. This week I spoke to her as well. Uh, seven have unveiled their commentary team or their broadcast team. Uh, for the uh, for the tournament, which uh, features Bruce McAvaney as a host, Mel McLaughlin as a host, uh, David Bashir will be calling the Matildas games on seven. Uh, you know, then there's like Grace Gill, Adam Peacock, uh, Heather Garriock, she's involved as well. At least Kellen Knight, who's very sadly um, missing the tournament through injury, but she'll be uh, engaged with seven as a match day pundit. And I did actually have a good chat to Elise Kellen Knight this week, uh, and so. Yeah, um, that interview's up on uh, on the West Australian now. So there's plenty of there's been plenty of coverage over the last few days, uh, and there'll be plenty of coverage moving forward. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to sit down uh, with my my editor next week and just kind of map out what our actual coverage looks like. Uh, but there will be, there will be plenty uh, to read in West Australian uh, over the next uh, I think it's 47 days to kick off now. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's exciting times, and I think um, you know I'm just I'm trying to get ahead of it while I still can. Because I know if I leave it too late, I'll be a bit snowed under. Oh yeah, don't leave it too late. There's <laughs> there's there's plenty of people getting on the bandwagon with uh, everything. It's kind of gathering momentum. Um, I, I do want to walk out my door to somewhere in Perth, Ben. And every time I walk out my door, I want to be reminded or see something about the Women's World Cup. That that's what I'd like to see out of Perth in the lead up. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I haven't seen too much. I've seen a lot of like internet um, promotion and social media promotion, but in terms of you know visible uh, promotion, I haven't seen quite as much. I'm hoping that does ramp up in the next, over the next month and a half. Yep, it's not all about internet. It is about uh, you know, we have five senses, so we've got to be able to look at things like out in the real world, the real world, everyone. Yep, newspapers and billboards and you know buses driving past with Sam Kerr's face on or, or you know whoever or Women's World Cup coming to Perth on the side of that I, kind of I thing. can say I have Spotify playing at work and I've noticed they have Matilda's ads playing in the last week has nice. been going on so, oh, that's good yeah. hmm. gets out there Ben Smith thank you very much for joining us today really do appreciate that I hope you get out and enjoy the lovely football and whatever uh, sorry the lovely weather and whatever football that brings no worries. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Good on you, Ben. Thank See you me. later. Thanks. That was Ben Smith, a reporter from WA News and Perth Now. Just bring us up to date on all things Perth Glory. Do we have to cover anything else in that space, Pete? Um, well, we did have the awards. Uh, they had their awards. Um, so we'll give a quick run through there. So the men's most glorious player, Mark Beavers. The women's most glorious player, Sierra Hinson. Feel free to chime in if you agree or disagree with any yep. of these. Uh, the men's player player of the year, Mark Beavers. The women's players player of the year, 
Tierra Hinton. <laughs> the men's the members men's player of the year, Ryan Williams. There we go. Someone else has won an award. Uh, the women's members player of the year, Hannah Lowry. The under twenty three player of the year, Keegan Yelichich, who has been confirmed as leaving the glory, unfortunately, and heading off to KAA Ghent in Belgium. Uh, hopefully that's a good move for him. Uh, the women's golden boot, Sierra Hinson. Uh, the uh, men's golden boot was tied between Adam Taggart and David Williams. I don't know. I feel like David Williams scored a lot of his goals with his head. So would that still qualify for the golden boot award then? Or <laughs> like ass. a golden forehead award? Um, the men's goal of the year, interestingly, was from Adam Taggart against Adelaide United. So the A-Leagues themselves said that Giordano Colley's goal was the best in the whole whole league. Um, yet, according to the glory, Adam Taggart's goal was the best for the glory. Uh, and the will, will, women's goal of the year was Hannah Blake against Melbourne City in round 19. So that's the uh, the awards won at the MGP thing. Sorry, who did you say got the goal of the year for the ladies? Hannah Blake. Yeah, okay. Nice. Thanks for that. And I think that's that's about all we have on the on the glory front. That'll do. Yeah. That'll do just fine. I'm sure there'll be more in the coming weeks, especially leading up to that West Ham game. Especially leading up to a new coach. Yes. Hopefully. Yes, absolutely. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Back very shortly to talk more football with Neil Bennett. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Just having a chat off air there. Um, we didn't mention any of the NPL results. Let, let's fly into that before we have a chat to Neil. So men's NPL. Oh, I had the women's NPL. Up. No, we'll talk about that with Neil. Come okay. On. All right. So the men's NPL. Uh, last weekend we had uh, Sterling Macedonia had a 5-0 win over Armadale. Perth had a 4-0 home win over Inglewood United. Balcata Etna and Florida Athena played out a nil all draw. Draw. Perth Red Star 5-1 winners over Coburn City. Olympic Kingsway 4-3 over Bayswater City. And Perth Gloria 2-3 away win over Sorrento. That is an amazing set of scorelines for that round. I was looking at the NPL table. So Sterling Macedonia on top uh, with 
19 points, and Florida Athena currently in last place. But after 10 games, there's still only three wins separating first and last place. That's got to be some kind of record for such a close league. It's I mean, sometimes you have, you know, six teams all quite close together, but literally three wins from every team in the league, like separating every team in the league when we're just about at the halfway point. That's the kind of you need some league stats nerd that you that want. Up. Yeah. That's the, the kind of entertainment that, that anyone really... can beat anyone on any yeah. given day. Love it. And the final day will come down to three teams all trying to win it and three teams all trying to get out of that relegation spot. Good stuff. Neil Bennett, good morning to you. Good morning, Penny. How are you? Yeah, really good. Lots to talk about, lots happening. So, yeah, there's some big games on tonight, Neil. What's, what's your pick? What are you going to be watching? Uh, well, I should watch the uh, the A-League final for, you know, parochial reasons, but I think my attention's probably going to be drawn to the FA Cup final. I think that's the one I'll be watching tonight. And I wonder how... You can watch both, because the A-League final will be finished before the FA Cup final. We could have two TVs yeah. or, like, streaming on the device yeah. and something else happening. In... <laughs> yeah, that, there might be a bit of uh, bit of tension in the back. <laughs> Too much, yeah. <laughs> and then I want to know if anyone can land it onto our World Football Facebook page, how we can get some free streaming for the Wolfsburg versus Barcelona match. That's That's what I want to know, if anyone has some access for free streaming of the UEFA Champions League Grand Final. Legal access, you need to be uh, very clear on, Penny. Yes. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. there's stuff you've got to pay for and then there's the free stuff, which isn't quite kosher, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a big congratulations to the three West Australian players that got named in the Junior Matildas that I think are in South Korea at the moment. That'd be Jess yeah. Skinner, Ishi Brooking and Ruby Cuthbert. Well done, Ruby, former Mum FC player, now with NTC. So well done to those players. We're doing okay, aren't we, Neil? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we've got uh, Tian McKenna going well with the um, young Matildas as well. So um, there's a lot of good things uh, around the development of football in WA and I think sometimes we forget that. There's a lot of negativity around the game here mm. in the West, but mm. uh, the, the young players are really showing their way. And um, the, the, you've touched on the men's NPL. The, the women's NPL is shaping up to be a very exciting competition this year as well. So um, there's plenty plenty going on with a local game, definitely. Absolutely. Sitting on top of the women's NPL table at the moment is Perth Red Star and um, doing a little bit of a historical timeline, helping out the museum and... Uh, State Library and uh, et cetera stuff and, and uh, tracing back through Perth Red Stars through Northern Redbacks and then going back into history of female-only clubs as Beckenham Angels kind of happened for a, a short piece of history there. But it's very interesting with Perth Red Star. They've been going since 19, well, 1991, I think, was is the claim of uh, Morley Windmills, that first team, and then they transitioned yeah. through mm-hmm. many different spaces and clubs um, and the force they are sitting at the top of the table at this moment is is pretty good. It's a, it's a great timeline to be thinking of and the, the significance of the players that have gone through the club. Um, it, has Sam Kerr ever played or pulled on a Perth Red Star Northern Redbacks shirt, Neil? No, I think the only junior club that she played for was, um, I think, uh, the... Western oh, Knights. Just, Western Knights, you're yeah. right, yeah. She was there as a junior, but... She was very quickly moved into the into the NTC yep. 
stream pathway and she she really never came out of that and she played all of the junior football uh, in in that and at that point the NTC was an open age group um, so she was playing alongside Colette McCallum and Lisa Devanna every now and then as well uh, Lisa Davidio uh, Tanya Oxtavy they were all in that so she was learning from some good experienced players whereas now it's um, definitely a, a, a youth development and that's not a bad thing uh, mm. but yeah we never saw her in the local leagues. Yes, and we can brag about more West Australians, not just in the playing space, but Tanya Oxtoby, who captained the first West Australian team in the league, in the National League as Western Waves, is now mm-hmm. assistant coach at Chelsea. And oh, I love seeing that kind of pathway and, mm. and journey. And and you know, who knows where Tanya's going to be in three or four years' time with movement of uh, her coaching journey and people in higher coaching spaces at the club she's at to move up because of all the tiers of, of um, coaching in, in professional clubs over there. But it, it's good, isn't it, to see – and then Nicola Williams and um, Joe yeah. Montemuro as well. He's another Australian yeah. that we don't really talk much about, not from West Australia, but from Australia that, uh, you know, we, we have high-level outside of the playing area, high-level um, like administrator, so to speak. It's great. And Postacoglu. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of Australians, yeah. And yeah, Nicola, um, as you mentioned, she was um, she was instrumental in uh, in a lot of development for, for a lot of players. Um, she was part of the NTC um, coaching setup along um, with uh, Justine Bonsus, uh, yeah. who's another one. Um, so there's been yeah some some great input from from young coaches uh, into a lot of young players as well, and I think. Uh, you know, the likes of Ella Mastrantonio and um, even Sam as well. She was coached by both uh, Nicola and Tanya. So uh, they've, they've had an input into into her career at some stage. Um, just a, a question. Tim Cahill mm-hmm. scored was it 50 goals for the Socceroos and Sam Kerr has now scored 63, I think, international goals. And mm-hmm. some of the conversation around the world has been who has scored the most international goals and it I think it was Cristiano Ronaldo I think has scored no hang on no you had Romario who had oh, oh no Pelé purely internationals or uh, well Christine Sinclair for Canada has been matched against someone for something when a lot of the conversation was who scored the most international goals and it automatically defaulted to in the men's game and then the discussion was, well, hang on a second here. If we're talking about international goals, it should mm-hmm. be men's and women's. And Christine Sinclair has scored so many international goals. And I can't remember what that number is, but it was up there. And, and Pete's probably looking at it yep. right now. Yep. But, uh, Neil, feel free to... 190. T- there you go. Christine Sinclair, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. There you go. So I was just yeah. in my head comparing where Sam Kerr had gotten to in terms of her goals has now superseded Tim Cahill's stash. And then Christine Sinclair is, you know, getting up there. What's oh, that? Sam Kerr's down at number twenty-three on this chart. So, there's but this. she's got a few more years left yeah, of goal well, scoring true. in it. Yeah, Hopefully, yeah. there, you know, with Matildas on Australian soil, that would be nice. Then, mm-hmm. speaking of which, there's my segue into the Matildas are coming here to Perth later in the year. Mm-hmm. Neil, do you think we're actually going to capture Sam Kerr from her professional club contract here in Perth? Is she going to be released? Oh. I would be very surprised if she wasn't. Um, I think Football Australia will move 
hell and high water to get it here and playing in front of a home crowd. Mm. I mean, it's been sold on that, Sam Kerr's coming home. So um, I'm, I'm not sure where the Olympic qualifiers sit in international windows um, because if it's a, a qualifier for European, Asian Cups, those sorts of things, then clubs have to release them. Yep. Um, but I'm not sure if that's the case with the Olympics, but I'm pretty sure that Sam herself would be absolutely dead keen to come here as well. So you can't be definite, but I think it's a very, very strong possibility that she'll be here, yeah. How many years does Sam have left on a Chelsea contract? Was it a two-year deal or three years? I can't remember. Don't know, but I mean, whenever it comes up for renegotiation, they're going to sign her on again. Um, (laughs) There's no question about it. Without without Sam's input, um, Chelsea wouldn't be the powerhouse that they are at the moment. I'm not saying she's carrying them because there's a number of excellent players in there, but her goals in crucial matches have really tipped the balance for Chelsea in a number of situations. So they'll they'll be absolutely uh, desperate to hold on to them. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the local NPL. Um, it's state cup round this weekend. or It's actually just cup rounds this weekend, so there's a whole lot of uh, women's cup fixtures out there. The, the one that interested me is Hammersley, who are yes, sitting on... the the one that are non, non-NPL team still in the cup. Yep. And they're playing against yeah. Mum. Yeah. Murdoch, yes. my yeah, team. Playing, yeah, playing on Monday. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. They've got a couple of ex-NPL uh, players in there. They're doing really, really well in their division. They're unbeaten at the top of the table. Um, I think Mum have probably got too much for them, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's good to see um, that, that the team from outside of the NPL is still in there in the quarterfinals. So, I mean, they did play against another non-NPL team to get there, but that doesn't diminish what they've done so far. They've had an excellent season. Um, it won't be an easy game for Mum, but I, I can't I can't really see anything other than, than Mum getting over the line on that one. Yeah, Mum are currently sitting fourth in the NPL WA and Hamizli are sitting on top 21 points over UWA and Perth, which are both on 16 points in the... Women's League Division One, I think that's the correct title. The, yeah, it is. Next yes, one down. Yeah. yeah, next yeah, one underneath yeah. the. So they're, they're they're in the prime position for promotion, um, and um, obviously Curtin uh, looking like they're going to be the prime position for, for relegation. Yeah. Um, so, but who knows what happens? Um, whether there's going to be an automatic and you've got no choice or as can sometimes happen, clubs say, no, we don't want to do it because we may not be quite ready yet. Uh, that will throw a real curveball into things because with Kurt not having an under 21 side now, they're breaking all, all of the, well, they're breaking a number of the um, uh, criteria for them to be in the NPL. So they've been given a certain amount of leeway, but um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what happens with Kurt at the end of this season. Um, and what about Hammersley? Do they have their underpinning programs in place? And Well, yeah, that's, that's, the big, that's the big question. I mean, Curtin don't have an under-21, so Hammersley can point to that. You know, there's a precedent has been set. Um, it's unfortunate, but um, in terms of grounds as well, you can point to Curtin not having a, a proper surround for the pitch. Um, so there are a number of issues that Curtin haven't fulfilled that other clubs such as UWA or Hammersley could say, well, Curtin haven't done it and they're in the NPL, so why shouldn't we be able to go in there? Mm-hmm. I think Hammersley are looking at um, beefing up their, their junior programs. Um, UWA have definitely got 
the underpinning stuff going on there. So if if Hammersley, for whatever reason, don't finish top and may not feel that they want to go in, and I'm sure they will, there's another very strong contender underneath them in UWA uh, who, who could jump up as well. Yes, and... I, there is a suggestion that Curtin are in the NPL because we needed the even numbers, and yep. they said that you know they would fill that space, and maybe we can understand that there was leeway given because of that. Um, they have had a tough time; no one can d- deny that, and I'm not quite sure they could do enough if they wanted to stay in that NPL to um, stay in that space next year with any teams like Hammersley and UWA who had been doing some work or had that better infrastructure automatically would be considered to fill that role. Yeah, and I, I think with, with UWA, the, the work that they've done into their development programs, they've, they've got lots of youth teams and they've got uh, a de facto under-21 team floating around as well, so um, that they would be well-placed. I'm not sure that Hammersley have an under-21 team, um, but they've certainly got some junior teams, albeit they're not the strongest at the moment, but um, they do have junior teams in place, so they've got a number of criteria that they're fulfilling already. Hmm. Yes, uh, and what was I going to say? Totally forget um, last week's results. Mum FC lost to Fremantle 2 1, and I noticed, much to my delight, hmm. that there was a stack of great players playing for Fremantle, including, and I just did this. Combination. I hadn't sat down and watched um, Fremantle play for a few weeks, so the combination of players in that game was great. Kat Yukich was playing, Tash Ribby was playing, Jamie Lee Gar was playing, um, and then we had Charlie Wainwright uh, and her sister playing for Mum FC. Um, and uh, who else was I going to mention? Former Perth Glory player. Tash Ribby. No, 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 for Mum FC. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, name escapes me off the top yeah, of my head. I, I, had Abby Green playing for Fremantle as well. Yeah, thank you. Yep. So there's a whole stack yeah. of great players, and I thought, well, this is this is terrific. And uh, um, you know, when you talk about the national uh, league finishing, then you want those players to be playing in the next league down, back where they could be role models yep. and adding to the quality of the local competition. So that's what I took out of that game, which is great. Yeah, there's another player that people have not sort of picked up on too much for this season for Fremantle. And that's Karis Hawkins. Oh, she's playing. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And she's, she's been phenomenal. She wasn't in the game on Saturday, but um, she played against Perth Red Star. I went along to watch that game. Um, she has a lot of affiliations with the old Redbacks, but uh, she she's still an excellent player. And uh, for my mind, is uh, is a really, really important player for Fremantle. And... Um, when she's on song, there's not too many people can get past her. Even the speedsters from NTC were having difficulty because of her experience. I mean, she's an ex-Welsh international as well as a huge number of Perth Glory games. And I, you know, I think she's she's still one of the best fullbacks in the league. Um, and getting back to full fitness, and she's been a tremendous asset for for Fremantle. Mm. Um, didn't she play for Wales? Didn't she represent Wales? Yes, yeah, she did. Yes, she had some some games for Wales. She was also one of the Trailblazers. Um, she's always been uh, somebody who follows her, the beat of her own drum, and she played in Iceland uh, yeah. for a while as well. Before that became a pathway that a number of players have, have taken up, um, and now she's very uh, successful in the in the law industry. Um, I think she's a state prosecutor, but I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't 
be quite sure on that. But yeah, she's uh, she's an incredible person, um, you know, and, and very humble as well. Uh, great player. And Katie Schubert was the other player that I was thinking of that is playing for Mum FC. Um, so a whole stack of um, yeah, great great players in that game that I happened to be watching. And I thought so that was mm. a nice reflection of the status of where the women's NPL is at this moment with some good quality and some great games happening. Um, yeah, there was, the, the, I mean, there was also the, the game in Albany as well, uh, which is yes. a great showcase um, for the league. Um, we had the two girls, Iskia Brooking and uh, Ruby Cuthbert, for NTC, Tanikalala came back uh, from a stint of trials in the UK. She played in that. Kim Carroll was playing in that. You had Emily Dunn, who used to play for, for Perth Glory as well. And, mm. um, you know, across the board, uh, a swag of, of really good players. And then this really exciting Japanese import that's playing for Red Star at the moment, Reina Kagani. She is absolutely on fire. And if you get a chance to watch her, um, you're going to be watching one of the better players that this league has had for a very, very long time. Nine goals from midfield um, in the last five games. She's absolutely on fire. And yeah, they just lit up the park. Um, both teams played some great football. Um, and it was it was a really entertaining game to watch and a, and a great advert to the NPL game in Albany. Which is absolutely what we want to grow the game. More of it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but then you go if you go on the other side of the uh, of the equation we've got 13 players currently playing in New South Wales and Victoria yes um, who would walk into any first team here and so there's a lot of players playing interstate and there's a number of reasons for that but um, I think when you look at the names that are on that list uh, Letitia McKenna um, Izzy Folletta uh, Caitlin Douglas Tian McKenna, Miranda Templeman, uh, Ella Mastrantonio, Larry Walsh, Morgan Aquino, Bella Woolhead, Rachel Gillies, Zara Board, uh, Baxter Few, Izzy Fuller, Lexi Marina. They're all playing in top-ranked leagues. So for when people say WA doesn't produce players, I think that is is a very compelling argument to say that, 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 that it does. Yeah. And then you throw into the mix some of the young Matildas and junior Matildas that are currently playing here um, as well. There's some very, very good talent uh, in WA, which begs the question, why are they not playing for Perth Glory? Mm-hmm. Um, well, because they've followed their journey to the East no. because it's semi-professional football and they can get more opportunities. No, they can't, they can't get into Perth Glory. That's why. There's a number of reasons, but... I, a compelling one is because they can't play for Perth Glory. Mm. Even though the West Australians, um, you know, they've proved time and time again that they're top quality, they can play at NPL and they can play at W League, but they're playing over East to try and get themselves a position in a W League team in the East rather than here in Perth because they know they can't get a place, a place in the Perth Glory squad here. So just, uh, I've got to correct myself and my apologies to Katie. Uh, Katie is married and her married name is Sabatini. So Katie Sabatini yeah. is not Schubert anymore. Yeah. My apologies, Katie. Yeah. So back to that conversation about the Perth Glory, I agree with you. Um, and that would be because the setup of the NTC is such that their players are, you know, 
have been um, invited in or they come in at the, the young age and they go through the steps and, and levels of learning how to play the Perth Glory way and that's, you know, their, their pool of players and it's kind of, you know, a little bit exclusive, I guess, is, is what you're saying to players out there in the non-NTC space when they're... Well, it's, it's, it's not even non-NTC space, it's non-WA. I mean, we, we pulled in a player last season who played in the second division of the Icelandic division. Yeah, you're saying that they're better players than the ones that we've got in Perth. I don't think that's the case. Mm. And Perth needs to have local players because if you want to get crowds, they've got to have an affinity to the players. Yeah. So where are all the Perth Glory players at the moment? They're all over East. There's only three players here from the Perth Glory squad playing in the league this season. Sadie Lawrence, uh, Tash Ruby and Abby Green. So when you're having an event and you want to bring a Perth Glory player in, if you don't get those three, then where, where are all the others? They're all over East. Um, they're all playing over East. So it's, it's not helping the local game, the fact that Perth Glory don't pick local players. Um, they didn't give a, a debut to a West Australian player this season. Mm. Whereas in Sydney they will be giving debuts to Sydney players. They're almost exclusively from New South Wales for the champions. And they're picking up 15-year-olds and putting them in there. And yet we have a 15-year-old, uh, Iskia Brooking, uh, who hasn't had a look in at Perth Glory. Um, so, so why is that? Um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't make that much sense. And I think that people uh, are, are getting a little bit not annoyed, but I think they, they're, they're asking questions. Why aren't West Australian players being picked in the West Australian A-League side? Mm. It used to be the case, um, but it, the, the numbers are going down all the time. I don't know the answer to that. Can we ask next time and dedicate some more time to it? Uh, well, I think that there are a number of answers to that, but <laughs> the, the key one is that you've got a coach who doesn't break the West Australian game. Um, and I think that that's the bottom line. He would much rather produce or pick players from Victoria and New South Wales rather than invest and grow the game here in, in the West. Uh, Perth Glory have never grown the women's game in the West. Um, and that's another question that, that needs a lot of uh, discussion and debate, was what is Perth Glory doing in the women's space? They're doing nothing. Uh, they don't have an academy. They don't have any interactions with the local clubs. Um, and then at the end of the season, they go and bring in players from New South Wales and Victoria. Mm. So, you know, it's... <laughs> It's it's a sorry sorry reflection on Perth Glory's um, uh, commitment to the local game here. I think we have talent here. We have lots of it. Just we do. Yeah, goes, absolutely. Goes elsewhere. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Neil, <laughs> we're going to leave it there. We can talk more about this next time. We'll, we'll solve the problem one day. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. We could be talking and talking and talking. I think. But yeah. No. I think it's it's. It's something that if the local community is, is raising issues about and then voices are being, uh, you know, out there to sort of say, well, well, why is this? Let's have some answers. Why? Why aren't they being picked? And I think that we, we would like to know. And so what can we do to improve that? At the moment, clubs are struggling to find out reasons why a certain players not getting asked to play at Perth Glory or, you know, and uh, other players are coming in with contracts from over east and taking up the spots of some... Uh, very promising and talented young West Australian players. Neil, we're going to talk more about this next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend, young man. Thank you for I joining will us. Do. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, See ya. Neil.
Thank, thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Neil Bennett, Perth Red Stars and women's football sports writer. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football just, with... Just before we go, in case you're wondering how you can watch the Women's Champions League final, Ooh, apparently it's on DAZN on YouTube. Yeah, okay. uh, it sounds like a, you do need to subscribe to it, um, you know, hand over your cash. But, uh, yeah, by, from what I can see, it should be on, uh, nice on one, YouTube. Pete. Nice one. You're the man. We'll be back very shortly to talk more football on the World Football Programme. This is Penn and Pete. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Greatness is all around us. On pitches, fields, and playgrounds. At home and far away. It lives in the past. And it's in the faces we look up to. And in those we see every day. Greatness is all around us. It takes us beyond limitations, beyond possibility. Beyond doubt. Beyond expectations. The only question is, where will it take us next? Yes, where will it take us next? That was the Women's World Cup 2023 promo. Good morning, good afternoon. Hayley Roach, how are you? Um, hello, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? <laughs> Very good. So, welcome to the program again. Becoming a regular, I like <laughs> it. It's yep. all good. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you very much. No good problem. To, good to be with you. We've been talking lots of football today, covering absolutely everything from possible new owners of Perth Glory to what's happening down in the south of Western Australia with the regional football festival and then back to Perth again with our NPL and Sam Kerr and what she hasn't achieved yet. But the only thing she, I think she hasn't achieved actually yet is... Um, Winning a World Cup with the Matildas. Yeah. That's pretty much... Oh, actually, Chelsea the... haven't won a UEFA Champions League with her in it. Okay. No, so the... I was going to ta- take you into Europe this morning and uh, talk about the, the big, big fixture that's happening in Europe today, which is Barcelona playing Wolfsburg Absolutely. in the yep. 2023 yeah, UEFA Champions League final. So um, it's literally the highest platform for club football in Europe. It doesn't get much bigger than this. And tonight's match is sold out at PSV Eindhoven Stadium. It was sold out three or four weeks ago. So a capacity crowd of 35,000 nice. will um, will watch Barcelona take on Wolfsburg in tonight's prestigious Champions League final. Yeah, take that, sport. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love European football, I have to say. Um, And I did spend a lot of last 
summer in England watching the best teams, the best national teams um, compete for the um, UEFA Euros Champions trophy but uh, I think European club football and women's club football in Europe um, is exciting to watch and uh, you know they are the the best leagues uh, not only in the men's men's um, teams over in Europe but also uh, the women's are you know are just flying over there and I think tonight's final um, is going to be full of of quality uh, you know Barcelona such uh, an established quality side with um, massive, massive players in there, and the same with Wolfsburg. So, um, looking forward to uh, yeah to how that unfolds. To be honest, it brings to mind Sepp Blatter's legacy. The only thing that I would say is his legacy, <laughs> right? Is that he said many years ago, within the last ten years, I would say the biggest growth in FIFA football will be the women's side of the game. And it has, and it wasn't him saying that that caused it, but he was so right because it has exploded in the last 10 years internationally. Yeah, he was he was right. And actually, I remember him saying that, and I think he said that in 2005 when England hosted the women's um, Euros uh, in the northeast of England for the first time because uh, I was involved in that tournament, and he said it in a press conference. But unfortunately, he added yeah. something along the lines of, <laughs> who doesn't want to watch women run around in football shirts? <laughs> <Hayley>. or some, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I was going to let that one go. I, you know, like, I did gonna... say the only thing, and I did. I capped it all right. <laughs> yeah, no, but... You're right, you know, and he should have stopped also there and just, you know, and he would have been credited for for being a visionary. But he didn't. He he added a a sentence onto the end of that which just went bonkers. Um, But no, absolutely. Uh, He was a visionary. He did say the right thing all of the time. Um, And, uh, you know, we have seen unprecedented growth in the women's game, as we know, and as we talk about week in, week out. Um, And especially European football is making massive strides um, in in the game. Um, You know, women's European football has always been pretty strong, actually. Um, England were a little bit behind the curve. The, The Americans were... We were leading the way at one time, but now I think, uh, you know, we're looking to, to Europe um, and, and I think that, you know, that's where uh, the game's going to, re- you know, really take off even more. Um, and, uh, and of course, yeah, you know, there are some uh, good Australians over in Europe, playing in European football, especially um, over in, in the English League. So they're getting that exposure, which is only going to be good to bring that back for the Matildas. Yeah, absolutely. European football is kind of considered, I think, to be like the the hub of world football, really. I mean, everybody wants to go and play in a league mm. in Europe, mm. be it yep. female or, or a male, and you know, they yep. they have the culture there. That's that's what we want here, really. We want that culture yep. to be replicated yep. here in Australia so we can have, and, and I did like a conversation someone had earlier, why don't we have a, a culture here and how do, how can we create it when we are so mobile and so transient? If you look at Perth Glory here in West Australia, Hayley, they've played at HPF Park and they've played at Macedonia Park. Um, the women have played at uh, various places. They don't really have mm. a home. So if we, that's just an example of if we don't have a place that that club calls home, where can we as yep. fans call home and go to as home? So how do we create a culture when it's so instable? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, 
um, it is a bit frustrating. And I, you know, but you know, you've got to also look at how long European football has been <laughs> been played. Yes. You know, yeah, the true. European Cup. 1955. It's been going for the men's side for 68 years. Uh, you know, so it's um, it, that culture will it will come. I'm, you know, I'm sure it will. Um, but uh, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, and it takes time. So, um, uh, and especially in the you know, when you look at the women's game, we're very early days in this. Um, you know, in this evolution of of the sport. You know, again, you look at you know men's football. It's been established for over 150 years. Um, you know, we're talking what 10, 15, 20. Um, you know, and really only in the last five years we've seen uh, we've, we've seen that catapult of um, of explosion. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Those roots have got to be established in order to have that growth and that development, and then that affinity and that history comes and that culture comes. Um, and then that's what you get like what you see in Europe because it has got roots and it has, it is established. Mm. So, um, but uh, how that happens, I've no idea. Well, I think just organically it's going to grow. And we, we should mention too that the UEFA Men's Champions League Grand Final is on the 10th of June. It's a, it's a nice date. It's my mum's birthday, so I remember no. that very easily. So <laughs> Manchester City are playing Inter, so that'll also be an amazing game. Yep. Um, I'm not sure where that will be able to be watched, no. um, but uh, Pete said that we can watch the women's game on D-A-Z-N. Yep. How, do you, how do you say that, Dazzin? I'd say Dazzin. Yeah, okay. And on YouTube, probably subscription. Yeah. We'll investigate that put it up on the World Football page after the show so our listeners can connect to that. But um, Hayley, as you said, the, um, the UEFA is European football. It's it's the hub. That's what everyone wants to play in because they're playing against the best of the best and there's a lot yep. of money in it too. Oh, yeah. It is, I mean, there's viewerships which brings sponsorships, which brings advertising, which brings a whole lot yep. of money to football. Mm. It did. So I, uh, I did a little, uh, because we were going to talk about UEFA uh, this morning, I, I did a little bit of research on this. Now, the men's um, pot of total prize money um, is 2.7 billion euros. Mm. My computer didn't even have enough zeros to be able to do that conversion. In the <laughs> uh, in my <laughs> so that's the total prize money for the men. Now, the total, uh, and, and the winners get 24 million alone. The winners Whoa. just like get 24 million. Now, you look at the women's. Uh, competition. It's been going for 23 years. Um, had a few years uh, off. It's changed uh, formats a number of times. The prize money, the structure, um, it all keeps um, evolving, actually. Now, this year, the te- the winning team will win alone €350,000. That's about $570,000 just for winning um, tonight's match. Mm. Um, so, that is less than 1% of the men's uh, like pot of money, um, you know, so that you can't really compare like for like, um, definitely. But uh, what you, they UEFA have changed the the women's structure. So now throughout the um, throughout the kind of tournament, the host teams get money, the winning teams get money. So you can build up that you know that pot of money as you go. Um, there's more TV rights coming in now for the women's game. Yeah. So again, clubs are getting a share of the TV rights. Um, it's still only, I think, 49 um, 
teams that compete. So actually the statistics for this year's UEFA Champions League, 71 clubs across 49 nations. Now a total of 726,000 people have attended um, UEFA Champions League matches in the last year alone. So, it, you know, the numbers speak for itself. It is growing. It's getting there. Uh, and with that attendance and with the quality, the TV rights, all that will, you know, start to add up and just build that Champions League fine, uh, Champions League um, competition uh, into something that clubs are going to want to win, they're going to want to take part in. And it's uh, the financial, um, uh, you know, benefits are, you know, they're massive. And that's what will encourage more teams because of that draw to win more money and generate more money, um, you know, for their clubs. And it's good that the increase in exposure and publicity and just the general growth of the game is uh, it's exponential and the quality of an entertainment factor of the women's side of the game mm. is exponentially yeah. increasing as well. Like the, if you just watch yeah. some of the um, – I mean, I, I watch um, Spanish football and Italian football and um, yeah. there's differences in, in their growth. You can see their growth from year to year, but the quality yeah. is really getting quite good. And so you would expect that that would be why so much money and sponsorship is getting thrown into it because the quality is good. People want to watch it. Then that means yeah. that there's more bums on seats, more possible advertising opportunities and so forth. Yeah, more sponsorship. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And um, agreed. And I actually was uh, listening to some podcasts and they were talking about um, actually the Arsenal um, women's team have uh, their kind of formula for, uh, you know, growing their attendances and, you know, growing their products and now playing at the Emirates Stadium. You know, that's actually seen as a bit of a blueprint for uh, for women's clubs back in the UK. Um, but, you know, and it talks about uh, what they've done in terms of, you know, they've got their product right. And so now they can go to the Emirates Stadium. Now they can demand big crowds because their product is right and people want to go yes, and watch it. If you'd, have put, if you'd have put Arsenal women in the Emirates Stadium even five years ago, the product wouldn't have been that great and nobody would have wanted to watch it, let alone, you know, thousands of people filling the Emirates Stadium. Mm. Um, and I think, actually, it is a process of evolution and you can't just all of a sudden, um, and you know, expect to, in your first season, I mean, I know you've got, um, uh, sorry, forgive me, that team that's just entered the your season this year. Um, Into the, the A-League? Yes. No, your yeah, your women's team, yeah, Western but, United, you know, the, Western United, yeah, yeah. yeah forgive me, um, you know, um, you know, but yeah, you, you've got to uh, build your product first, get your product right, because all you're going to do if your product is not right, people aren't going to watch it, you're yes. going to lose money, and then your uh, it's a reputational risk for for your club, yeah. um, you know. So so it, there is this uh, pathway that women's football is following and is still continue, you know, to follow. But um, I think there are some clubs around the world that have got it right and that are continuing to get it right um, that we can, that, you know, everybody can kind of learn from and look at um, and, you know, and then try and replicate that within their own, uh, you know, their own setup. Yes, and, and you're, you're right. That the, I like what you said then, that um, the product has to be right it, it has been a process of evolution. Organically, it's grown because we haven't had that help. And I say we collectively as women's football around yep. the world, mm. we haven't had the help until yep. 
you know, it's got to a point where the product is seen to be okay or yep. or um, what's the, the word when um, people take advantage of that space? Like uh, FIFA said, okay, women's football are going to be growing in this space now so they can clearly see if they capture something about it, there'll be money involved. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, the product is going to be even more right in 10 years' time. So if we sponsor this yep. now, then there'll be more people wanting to advertise in that space. So we'll get more money from it, but the product will also be more right and women's soccer will grow. That's evolution. Yeah. Mm. Complete yeah. you know, management strategy or business plan or whatever it is. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's very exciting. Mm. It's super exciting. And I, and I never thought for one second, Penny, we would be here and I would be talking about Champions League final sellout, you know, uh, Barcelona, Wolfsburg, uh, with some amazing players that are going to, you know, be on that stage. Uh, you know, I was just excited, you know, 30 years ago, um, if I would have had an opportunity to even play on a proper field, let alone, you know, pl- ha- be talking about women's teams, you know, on the big world stage. Uh, and, I, you know, a chance to work and witness uh, a, a World Cup in a country where I live. So, um, uh, yeah, it's great, exciting times. I'm, I'm love it, really loving it. And I'm proud of the quality of the products that people are now watching, um, you know, and people have changed the narrative. They're now not saying, oh, you know, football's not for girls and girls can't play football. Uh, and, I, and I like that. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. That's a great statement to close on. Thanks, Hayley. You're welcome, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> you will. Good. Uh, enjoy your football for the weekend or just the weekend if it yep. doesn't involve any football even. So yep. there's plenty of uh, things to be watching on television tonight. So I hope you find uh, a, a nice space to enjoy the atmosphere. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good on you. See you, Hayley. See you. Bye. That was Hayley Roach talking about uh, UEFA football. And yes, uh, it's nice to talk about the men's and the women's in that space now. And uh, it all attracts good football, entertainment, uh, accessibility. That's another thing too. We can get onto YouTube and and whatever other platforms now and we can watch football somehow. Exactly, exactly. It's great. Loving it. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football. Greg Werner is our last guest on the show. This is Penn and Pete. Stay tuned. Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au For football's sake. For the sake of our registered players. There's 37,000 of them. For the sake of the game. For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are already flying the WA flag 
in the world's best football leagues. For the sake of our visitors from Asia and beyond, whose cultures are woven through football. For the sake of Perth Glory, the state's A-League team, which aims to inspire the next generation. For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful, who are steeped in the most popular sport on the planet. Football needs a home. Football deserves a home. Every family needs a home. For football's sake. Do we really believe they come from somewhere else? Messi. Leagues in far-off lands. Messi. Galaxies full of superstars. What if they were made right here? In the city streets and sun-drenched suburbs. Small towns and home grounds. Our parks and pitches aren't just rectangles of dirt and turf. They're fertile grounds where greatness is unearthed. Where rugged was raised, where cows grown. Even if they end up there, they all start here. In front of our eyes and hearts. And right here is where you'll find the next one. Welcome back to the World Football Programme. Pen and Pete in the studio with you until 12 o'clock today. If you missed any part of the show or you just want to have a listen again because it was so super awesome, <laughs> you can go to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website and listen to the podcast, any of the podcasts. I don't think all 30 years are there, but there's a few years there at yep. the moment. We've got Greg Werner on the line, an Australian historian, to chat about history generally and probably other things we'll get distracted to. Good morning. Good afternoon, Greg. Uh, and good morning to you, Pete and Pete. Thanks yeah, for joining good. us. We were just uh, having a thought, or I was just having a thought, about our state football centre, actually, and, and haven't heard or seen anything for a week or two weeks, and we're landing a Women's World Cup here in 47 days, I think it is, and I'd really like to have some news at the state football centre. Yeah. It's ready to roll. Really would. <laughs> and I'd like... Uh, well, it, it, it looked good, the photographs that I saw about, uh, about what was it, three or four weeks back. But, um, mm. yeah, it'd be nice to have an update. Mm. Yeah, I think the next update is it'll be open. I, I can't imagine there'd be any anything else squeezed into the space between now and the World Cup first fixture date. It, it must must be it's ready to go. It opened, launch, and, you know, fanfare. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. It, it'd be nice, too, if there was a state football centre in each of the states of Australia. And we, we talk about football, but... Tasmania, we do not, and Northern Territory, we do not. It would be nice to get a Tasmanian team in the A-League, maybe at least the second division. Mm. Yeah, I have, a, I have a feeling that it's going to be the NSD. I don't think it's going to be the A-League for a while. I think that door might well have uh, been shut with uh, the announcement from the AFL recently. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Only so much capacity. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the chances of getting funding out of the government now, um, based on the uh, the backlash that there's been to the NFL, to the NFL, the AFL um, announcement uh, leads me to think that their um, yeah money money for things such as stadiums is going to be um, pretty difficult to justify in Tasmania at the moment. Mm. Yes, um, we don't ever 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 talk about Northern Territory and soccer or football. The world game. Yeah, like, the Darwin Cubs were in the league at the same time as the Perth Kangaroos when they were playing in the Singapore League. 1994? Four. Yeah. 
That's a long time ago, Pete. Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it, 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 it's a shame because um, it's a it's a very vibrant football community uh, in the NT. It just mm. unfortunately tends to get well and truly overshadowed by um, by both the other codes, really. Um, and it's purely and simply, you know, uh, due to the size of them. And that tends to be a, the, the story pretty much around the rest of the country for the most part. And I wonder if geographically that has any bearing. I mean, it's probably one of the the hottest state in Australia, and you know, it's a bit warmer to play football or Does, soccer. Doesn't in... loan itself to um to free flowing football. You're saying with well, the humid conditions, a lot of rain. I'm thinking yeah. that maybe better facilities would facilitate the growth of the game there, and that means money and you know, endorsement by government. And yeah, well. We just talked about the space that that's in. Yeah, well, you see, the the NTE has had seven goes in the FFA Cup, so a, a team from the Northern Territory, uh, yet to have a win, um, but but it'll come one day. Yeah, and knowing our luck, oh, we're at the expense of a West Australian side. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ah, forever the optimist. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's happening in your space, Greg, at the moment? Um. We've, uh, in New South Wales, just been um, finally officially granted our own space to work out of. We're, we're the second last cab off the rank. Uh, Tasmania is still, unfortunately, behind us. Uh, but uh, I was talking to uh, to Chris Niku, the chairman of the um, BFA, last night, and he was waxing lyrical about the new setup in South Australia, and I'm, uh, I'm as envious as, as it's possible to be. Uh, you know, we're operating out of about... Uh, 60 square metres, and that's something that's uh, that's only really come to us in the last month. It's uh, It's been a lot of negotiation over the last um, couple of years to get this space. So when you but, say uh, we are negotiating, who who exactly is we? Uh, the, the group of, uh, of football fanatics that have been sort of working towards having a, uh, an archive set up in, uh, in football New South Wales, the first state to play it and the... The, you know, almost as I say, the, the second last cab off the rank in terms of getting organised about its history. Good. Mm. But we're, uh, you know, the the strides have been made now. We've been, I was out there yesterday working through uh, what we have in terms of um, a photographic record of state sides, and we're just quietly working through digitising the stuff that we have, working out what uh, what money needs to be spent on. Um, restoring some of the, the old stuff. I mean, we found some nice pre-war uh, bits and pieces and just post-war uh, club photographs the other day, which uh, was a really nice thing to find. And I was also lucky enough to uh, spend a day in at the, the FA with Trevor Thompson a couple of weeks ago going through the uh, the legacy of Sid Story, who was the, the, the unofficial... Seventeenth member of the 1922 squad that went to um, went to New Zealand in, in uh, on that long tour. Uh, he was there primarily as a, a representative for football New South Wales and the Commonwealth Football Association to talk with the New Zealand FA about uh, bringing an English side out to tour the Antipodes, which eventually happened in uh, in 1925. And we've been lucky enough to uh, to get a stash of half a dozen boxes of stuff that uh, that wasn't thrown out. And I, I understand there was a lot of stuff 
thrashed in the 60s when uh, when Sid died, was offered to the, the national body, but they said they didn't want it. Mm. And uh, luckily his son had the foresight to put some of the more important stuff aside and say, Mum, do not throw this out, and that included the soccer ashes. Mm. So uh, it's been an absolute uh, honour to be able to, to go through that, you know, which included a lot of things like uh, programs from regional games, provincial games from that tour, which would, for the most part, never see the light of day, and they are in absolutely perfect condition. Whoa. Oh, wow. I'm happy to report. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've heard this story old... a lot, Greg, by the way. I, I I do the same thing here for women's soccer in Western Australia, and, and I, I'm very, very excited by that, and Women's World Cup has helped facilitate that journey. So I love sitting down with people and them telling their, their stories about things and help me put those things into a timeline to recognise the whole history of women's soccer here in Western Australia. And people have said the same thing to me, that, oh, I think my my cousin or my, my dad's ex-wife or my son has something or they've passed away and their son knows someone else who knows someone else and, oh, they've got a box in, in the garage. They kept mm. it. Mm. I'm like, oh, please, 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 can I have a look at it? Yeah. Oh, that, that's the reason we set up the Great Save um, a year ago to, to remind people to, to look in those boxes on the... You know, under the bed, on top of the the, uh, the wardrobe, or in the garage, because you never know what's going to be there. I, I was lucky enough to have my father keep a lot of his bits and pieces, and we've we've just moved him into a nursing home. And some of the stuff that uh, that I've uncovered from his past that I had no idea about was just astonishing. Um, and it's all sort of helping to to fuel the fire, if you will, for uh, for my. You know, love of, of history of all sorts, but specifically of football and sporting history. Mm. Mm. So where does Football Australia sit with all of this? And you said that you've gained some space somewhere. Is that to do with New South Wales Football Federation? That, 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 that's entirely to do with Football New South Wales. Uh, football Australia, uh, I guess the best you could say is nomadic. Mm. Um you know, we keep hearing this talk of, uh, you know, a home of football. Uh, Arnie's been on the trail hot since uh, since the World Cup, uh, lobbying for it. And we all know just how, how poorly treated our game is in terms of um, federal funding for for, um, for infrastructure. Uh, we know that both the AFL and the NRL have got billions from the um, the federal government in, in terms of building uh, what they call, you know, high-performance centres for, for what are professional football clubs. Uh, but and, and the Rugby League and, and AFL both have, you know, permanent homes set up. But football, as we know, just has nothing. The state federations, different kettle of fish, but the national body doesn't have anything. Uh, the building that they're in in the city at the moment uh, they are only a minor tenant in the uh, in the premises they're in. Most of it is taken up by the uh, the World Cup committee, and I have no doubt that once that uh, FIFA stop paying the rent for um, where they are, that Football Australia will have to up stumps and leave again. Yeah. Where they will go, who knows? Whether they it's into a a permanent um, property, I don't know. Uh, do we? You know, find somewhere temporary and then you know lobby hard and long about a uh, an official home of football like they've set up for the Matildas down in uh, in Victoria. Uh, you know, which includes things like accommodation, 
um, training fields and all the all the other infrastructure that goes with it, or whether they just are happy to operate from a um, you know from a, an office space. You know, I guess time will tell. They keep telling us that uh, you know it's on the list of priorities, but how far up the list is, I don't know. Mm. Do you think it's the rightful place for each state administration to house the history of the game? I do because there's stuff that the uh, the, the local um, sorry the, the national body uh, they they cannot house everything uh, and let's face it they're not interested in what's happening at the club down the street mm. um, that is stuff that is administered by the the state bodies and so it should be uh, we are planning uh, a mini museum if you will. Uh, for the uh, the premises at uh, Valentine Sports Park here in New South Wales, uh, but once again, we are limited by space. Uh, what we will have, I'm sure, will be one of those sort of knock your socks off moments the moment you open the door. But it will certainly not be uh, the entire collection. Ideally, it will be a rotating display, and uh, with any luck, we might get a mobile. Um, Display, you know, to to go out and 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 uh, and show off our wares at uh, at club functions, association functions, and that sort of thing around the state to, you know, to make people aware of uh, of the history of the game. Because let's face it, nine times out of ten, people really don't have a a, a very good idea of the history of the game here. Mm, yeah, who's the group that you've got involved with putting that together, Greg? Uh New South Wales, it includes people like um, Greg Stock, um, Bill Walker. Uh, he's up in Newcastle, so Billy's looking after the, the northern side of things. Uh, we've got a, a group of people like um, Ted Simmons from his uh, Hall of Famer with the, the FFA and people that are involved uh, just with their local club histories. Uh, there's about half a dozen, of, and of course, the... Um, I guess the the leading light of that is uh, is Phil Mosley, who wrote the history of football in New South Wales, and he operates out of uh, the university up in uh, in Darwin. And you, and yourself, and there's no females uh, in yeah, that group. Yeah, um, not yet. I haven't had anybody put up their hand to say, you know, can I, um, you know, can I assist in any way? I mean, the the problem with most of the the, the women in the game at the moment is that they're all working. Um, there are the, on the men's side of things, uh, a lot of them are retired and have the time to devote to it. Uh, I, you know, I would love to find somebody with the, the passion for the history of the game that has the time to um, and the, the resources to put into it. Because let's face it, we're all doing this off our own bat at the moment. Yeah. It's not something that there's, uh, you know, Victoria, uh, they're lucky. They've got somebody that they're prepared to pay and uh, spend some, some time working on it. Uh, outside of um, their, uh, their their other activities, right? Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I oh, know Tony. Tony works. I think he works for Auburn Victoria two days a week. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm so envious <laughs> of uh, the resources that they've they've set up down there. Um, they've got a big group in South Australia, uh, and they lobbied long and hard for the space that they they're working in over there. Uh, there's a few individuals in Brisbane, um, but uh, yeah, it's not uh, it's not what you would call a, a coordinated attack nationally. Uh, it's just 
everybody is pursuing their own. Um, you know, they they some are further down the line than than others. Uh, you know, we we seek advice from each other as we can from time to time uh, on um, on the way to attack things, and um, you know, some are resourced better than others, but we're all sort of battling towards the the same thing. And you know, as we find things from a New South Wales perspective. I will find things that are more pertinent to the national side than they are to football in New South Wales, and we would tend to act as a, um, I guess, as uh, a caretaker uh, for that until the, you know, till the new the national body have a have something to set up that they can actually, um, you know, display things with. I've got stuff there now with a, that I'm holding on to. Uh, for Football Australia that uh, hopefully will go to them as and when the time allows. And hopefully stuff that comes to them will eventually flow back to us as well if it's more pertinent to uh, to football in, in New South Wales. I like that ethos. That That's good, right? Because there could be many different people, individuals and groups around the country looking after exploring or uh, uncovering history in their own ways, mm. but eventually you want it accessible by everyone, right? Like, for the good Absolutely. of the game. So that would be a national body and one would think it would be Football Australia or whoever that national body is designated to do. And, and I like the fact that you're communicating across and up and down the channels to share the information. And digitisation is another thing. To, I mean, I'm working with um, WA State Library and State Museum at the moment, uh, pre-Women's World Cup stuff, and the technology that they have is amazing like way beyond what i was i'm um, just blown away by the what they can do with old stuff and make it look like new stuff sounds like you're a real expert on the uh, the women's history side of things and if they were looking for someone to contribute if greg was looking for you, <laughs> so my t- looking in right. <laughs> <laughs> i like wa <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no it's all good stuff isn't it and um my question yeah, well, uh, it, it's the good the good thing about it is that uh, more than anything else, we're the we're the one strand of the game that is all pulling in the same direction. The rest of the game, as we all know, yeah. and and history tells us, everybody is pursuing their own individual uh, agendas and and really not pushing for the, the 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 betterment of the game as a whole. Well, there's well, hopefully, there's no agendas in this, though, right? I mean, you're uncovering information about what's already passed. You can't change the past; you can change the future. So exactly, the right, exactly right. Um, you know, and we as a, as a group are just so happy to share whatever is, you know, uncovered. And if that uh, is the betterment to, uh, to somebody else's work, then fantastic. You know, yeah. we've just sort of shortened their process. Yeah. And now, um, I did want to ask, and we only have a couple of minutes left, but I did want to ask, is any of what you're doing related to Women's World Cup and uncovering any women's soccer history? Um. Or is it more wider, not, like not, larger part of the game going back further and more men's orientated? Uh, yeah, it tends to be the the, the women's World Cup is um, you know our, our partner has been very very small and very very recent. Um, I haven't really had the time to, to delve into the, the the specifics of the history of uh, the women's game globally. Uh, you know, I've got I've got. How many plates have I got spinning at the moment? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a lot, I but I, 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 you know, 
focusing on on one sort of thing is uh, is is really difficult. As somebody keeps throwing, you know, something else in, <laughs> no in at me, I've got to try and catch that and get that spinning. Greg, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, really appreciate having a chat. Very interesting as always. Loving your work, and uh, we'd love to have you on again and see how you're going with everything. Always available for you guys, and it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Peter. Good on you, Greg. Have Talk a great weekend. See ya. You too. Bye. See ya. Bye. That was Greg Werner, who is a historian in New South Wales. And interesting how they're setting up things and starting to connect a bit more nationally. Loving I, it. I did do a search to see if he had a website regarding to The Great Save. Um, there is a website, uh, but it's UK-based, so okay. uh, not not Australian stuff. Gotcha. Good one. Up next is Len and Bags Groove, the jazz program. This has been Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. We do appreciate you listening in. Next week, different team in, talking more football. Checking out for now. Enjoy your weekend.